Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Green Room Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Feeling North great. Texas won what was the craziest basketball game ever I've ever watched, I think. <laughs> like, like, if I had to put it, like, I thought Oklahoma State was crazy. I thought Purdue was crazy. I thought Western a couple years ago was Western crazy. Western Kentucky is the craziest game I've ever watched. I disagree. In the sh- okay, if we're talking about the time and what happened, like the the shortness and time that North Texas came back against Western was was crazy. But Wisconsin getting dominated for like fifteen <laughs> minutes, I think is crazier. Maybe shocking, shocking. Maybe that's the word. They- Maybe that's <laughs> the word. North Texas beats Wisconsin fifty six to fifty four in the NIT semifinals. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much. There's so much to talk about here. Um. They advanced to the championship game where they will play UAB, who beat Utah Valley in overtime. A good win from UAB. Ty Brewer drops 30 points. Um, he's playing great. Uh, we already know about Jordan Walker. So that that game is is in the future. We'll, we'll worry about that later. But we got to spend a lot of time on this game in particular because coming off the Oklahoma State game, we were like, this team has done it. They've yeah. given us the moment. They have completed what we wanted them to do this year. They have solidified themselves as one of the best North Texas teams ever, and they have cemented themselves, you know, in stone, you know, yeah. to, for nothing else. The Graham McCaslin news about him going to Texas Tech was always lingering, was always there, but it never seemed to bother the team. It was very professional. This team is very tight, and it had seems it seemed and seems to have had no effect on them, despite you know it being basically a foregone conclusion that Grammy class won't go to Texas tech, but none of that matters right now. All that matters is that North Texas just beat Wisconsin and advanced to the championship game. And in doing so held Wisconsin to nine points, or I'm sorry, to zero points in the last nine minutes of the game. Yeah. 13 points in the second half. It was gutsy is too simple yeah. like it, it's too simplistic i don't know if i have a word to describe how heroic. amazing it was how amazing it was that they won that game heroic is a pretty damn good one but like it's just special it's just yeah. special yeah because coming in into the game wisconsin was 15 and 1 when they let it half yeah now they're 15 and 2. And I think everybody after the way that game started, kind of seeing how uh Sissoko early was kind of getting pushed around by Crowell mm-hmm. and how they were out rebounding North Texas and, and looking like the tougher team, you know, that's something North Texas is always used to being better at. It almost seemed like it was they were gonna get blown out. And then toward the end of the first half, came back, you had that foul call against uh uh Tyler. Tyler on that three and it kind of yeah. kind of took a little bit of the air out of the sails but then the second half comes around and you start to see that physicality come back you start to see them do what they do best and then all of a sudden Wisconsin's staring down at a deficit for the first time the whole game with two minutes left yeah what what have, what have we said all year uh this team doesn't go on runs the way that normal teams go on runs I've said this verbatim several times, but for maybe for those of you who haven't listened all year, this is what I've said. They don't go on runs how normal teams go on runs. Normal teams will hit threes. Normal teams will get steal and scores. Normal teams will, you know, get some easy baskets and 
maybe turn you over or something like that. North Texas doesn't do that. North Texas literally just strangles the life out of you and holds you to zero points for stretches at a time. And that's how they come back. That's how they've done it time after time this year. And when they've lost, it's because they haven't been able to do that. They haven't been able to hold teams um, for stretches at a time. But it's very, very rare. It's very, very rare. And that's what they did, Bim. I'm. We watched the first half. The first half, Wisconsin scores 41 points. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're texting the group message. Are they about to score 100 on North yeah. Texas? Like, what's happening here to where Chucky Hepburn is going crazy, um, Tyler Wall, all these guys, Stephen Crowell, like you said, at, at five, all these guys hitting shots, hitting threes, and North Texas looked helpless, absolutely helpless. Um, I think Fran Fischilla did a great job on the call. I mean, he's, he's probably the best um, color analyst out there. I mean, when they switched Kai onto Chucky Hepburn, yep, it completely just changed the game. Yep. And I think that was a great adjustment. Graham McCaslin talked about other adjustments in their post game with the the speed of which Wisconsin was playing, but I mean, there's there's no uh, there's just no expectation when you're down by as much as they were down at halftime. Even working its way into the second half, they couldn't come back, and we kept waiting for it, waiting for it, and they couldn't do it. Little did we know it was just going to be the defense that just stopped them, suffocated them. Yeah, because because I. Cause I... We've said over and over again, an 11-point deficit for North Texas is like a 22-point deficit. They're not going to be able to overcome that on scoring alone. And like you said, the way they go on runs is they just make the other team just not score, and they just score the same amount. And that's what happened. Um, I think the biggest thing, too, is how they were able to weather the storm with a Wisconsin team who this year hasn't been that great of a shooting team mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, And they were able to weather that storm and get through it because Chucky Hepburn was 5-5, five of five, I think, to start from three. And then I believe you had McGee hit a three. No, he didn't. It was uh, Isaac Lindsay yeah. hit a three. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, or Eastern, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's like, what is happening? These guys are just going ballistic. What are you going to do? And they were able to stay in it and never give up. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? With this team, especially, and I even think it's over the, the 2021, 2022, or sorry, 2021, 2020 team, is that this team just never gives up at all. There's no wavering at any point. And I think that's probably the most impressive thing I've ever seen from under any team under grant i mean i thought kai was was really good he didn't hit a three but he was really good otherwise defensively especially he had five assists mm-hmm. tyler had 16 points three of nine from three um ruben late in the game i thought was fantastic he had that spin where he got to a spot a he also had two threes also had two threes um aaron scott is just a monster on the boards as we know and just two blocks i mean aaron scott had both blocks uh, North Texas had two as a team. They were both from Aaron Scott. Yep. In this game. Um, Mulai Sissoko, we've talked about him the past two podcasts. I texted you early in the game. I said, this is where they miss Abu. Mm-hmm. Because it felt like Sissoko was getting pushed around. And he was. Like, make no doubts about it. Wisconsin was winning on the glass. Wisconsin was winning in the post. I said, all right, you need Abu here to at least give you a secondary punch. Because when Sissoko wasn't in the game, they went to Martinez at the five and that's just not quite big enough and martinez went one of six from three like yeah. you needed we were waiting on martinez to hit another three and it never happened and so you're like okay if martinez isn't hitting threes what are we doing here you know it's just it's not gonna work and then you have the whole tyree Edie situation where we're pretty sure his hand is still hurt 
to the point where they don't want to play him a lot. So you're turned to Matthew Stone. Um, and he played 13 minutes. I thought he was fine. I mean, he had a three, which is yeah, all I ask for. Made him. up for Tyler, him getting destroyed by Tyler uh, Tyler Wall for a little bit. So yeah, he got he got, <laughs> he got, he got taken a couple times, but uh, still, like if you just run down the roster here, Noah Boo, Tyree Edie is hurt, and they're still gutting out wins like this because of, in large part, their backcourt. Man, yeah, the three guards combined for what is this? Forty points, forty out of the fifty-six points. And then Sissoko has seven of his own on three or four shooting, including a huge basket late. Yep. Dude, it feels like to me Sissoko doesn't get nervous in spots because he just doesn't know any better, if that makes sense. Yeah, there there are athletes like that in any sport where it's just like they just go out there and they're just like playing and it doesn't matter, you know, not that it doesn't matter what happens, but they're not overthinking the game. Right. Sometimes with the boo, it felt like he was overthinking things with Sissoko. He doesn't overthink it. He doesn't think about the moment. He's been playing since he was 16. He's been playing for like four years. He just goes. Yeah. And he is a, he's awesome. He's absolutely awesome. And you mentioned the guards. I think like you said, Kai, Kai, this tournament, and I don't have any split stats on this. I feel like he's scoring more. He's getting the basket more. It's the systems. I feel like are up. He's and at then, here. I got you right here. Okay. Here's the tournament points 10, 11, 11, 12. Assists 5, 4, 4, 5. Yeah. And then how many rebounds? 8, 3, 6, 4. So he's up on everything except for points for the season. And that's, and I feel like that's where we've. His points are more uh, impactful when he scores them, I feel like, when he's playing this mm-hmm. way. And those assists yeah. especially. And then Ruben, they've been like – North Texas has been like in this great area, and I guess you have to do this Wisconsin, of running and not running and knowing when to not to do that. Obviously, sometimes they still look a little bit lost out there because they don't do it all the time. But I think letting Ruben kind of go free a little bit like he has been because, let's be honest, a couple of those spin moves, they didn't look good at first. Mm-hmm. But he still, but it it allowed him to you know get in rhythm, do what he does, shoot, go two three from three, and then make another bucket late, and still play incredible defense. Yeah. Do you have anything else on this game? I don't think so. Are we gonna move on to the next game? Yes, yes, we are, Colin. I'm scared. All right, here's the question. Yeah. Is this a must win? <laughs> Is this in what sense win? is it North a must Texas win? Texas versus UAB. In what sense? Oh, sorry, I turned my camera off. Wow, I was I was trying to figure out whatever. No, okay. Look, is it the- is it going to ruin the season if they lose? No, no. When you look back on the season, you're going to see wins against Wisconsin and OSU. Is it going to leave an awful taste in your mouth when you lose to UAB in two tournament scenarios? One being a championship, and then Grant's going to go off to Tech. Yeah, yeah. I think you get it. You need you the storybook it. ending. You need the storybook ending here. So, is it a must win for the next year? Yeah, it's a must win. <laughs> like when we're thinking about because I because I promise you, next year when they're in the conference tournament and they play UAB and the AC tournament or whatever, yeah, it's just gonna be like, well, last year they lost in the NIT championship and the conference USA championship, but they did beat them twice in the regular season. Those wins, those losses, you can get rid of the loss in the conference championship if you win this game. Yes. Not only that, you send Grant out of the sunset with a great season. Yep. 
and it leaves a great it leaves everyone a great spot the fans are going to be upset it's just i mean it would it, it it might be the biggest if they win this i think it, it it would be the greatest season in north texas history 30 wins yeah no doubt win, win in an it beat two power five schools which has been a problem i don't want to say for grant but like no, early yeah. season well, I mean, like in late season, they beat Purdue is basically what I'm saying. Early okay, no, like, yeah, they, they beat Purdue. But they like non conference wise, remember they, they would do the non conference has been like, an issue, right? Like Arkansas a couple years ago when we thought they were going to be another team. You Oklahoma, St. Mary's this year. Yeah, like you beat two Power Five schools with basketball pedigrees. Nothing can take a, this season away from anybody if they beat the NIT. Nothing. There's no negative at all. No. And I think in that sense, it is a must win. You're right. Like. Ultimately, I think win or lose, it has a case. Or like, even if they lose, it has a case to be the best North Texas season ever. Like it does. And if we, you know, in uh, however many months when we look back on it, if they lose, it's like, all right, you know, they lost, but they were. This is the highest they've ever been in the net in Ken Palm. You know, just a thirty-one season, like you said. All of those things are great. This it would be one thing if they were playing. Who was on the other side of the bracket? Yeah, um, I mean, Utah Valley. Yeah, if they were playing Utah Valley or if they were playing Cincinnati was over there, Vanderbilt was over there. Like if they were playing one of those teams and they lost, I could be like, all right, you know, this is a great season. UAB, this is this feels personal. Okay? Oh, it is. This is absolutely personal. And I know Andy Kennedy and Grant like each other. I don't care. For fans, Tyler Perry versus Jelly Walker, first and foremost, Jelly Walker – he won. He won the last time they played. Like, Tyler Perry mm-hmm. fought his best. Like, sure, Walker won it. Walker single-handedly beat North Texas in the conference tournament, which is all these teams play for, really. Yep. Now you're in the NIT, right? Both teams playing incredible basketball. Incredible basketball. UAB's only losses over the past, like, two months have been North Texas, double overtime, and FAU. That's it. UAB North Texas, same, th- um, not the same thing because they lost to Charlotte, but over the last two months it's been Charlotte lost, UAB lost. That's it. And Charlotte won the CBI. These are two of the top 40 teams in the country, two teams that have played each other three times already, mm-hmm. two teams who have beef because of the Tyler Perry versus Jordan Walker thing. I don't care what they say, there's beef, and two coaches. Who will probably going be going to high major programs in a year or two, like either this year or next year? I don't know about Andy Kennedy's situation. He's been linked to a lot of them. This is this is all of the makings. This is everything. Yeah. This is the perfect climax in the movie. This is this is the big fight scene. You yeah. can't lose the fight scene. You can't. And um, like I, like you said, big big picture. It, this is an amazing season. They have done everything we can ask for them. We, of them we are very very happy with this season we love this season we love this team we love this coaching staff all this stuff don't lose to uab don't yeah. lose to uab and it won't be it's not like i won't be mad i won't be i won't be i won't be mad to the point that it tarnishes anything but in the short term it will leave a sour taste in our mouths like you said yeah win the game win the game win the game how confident Please. are you that they can win the game? That's the question. That's the question. And here's the thing. So let, let's actually get a little technical here. We saw in the second or in the late in the first half against UAB, and I think even in the second half, 
and they yes. kind of figured out we just have to double jubble jelly walker like we just have to throw one we have a guy pressuring him and then we have a second guy hedging over to him on uh, a soft hedge i think they're gonna just do that right off the rip put kai on him and then just whoever is guarding a non-shooter or whoever's guarding the closest non-shooter just go over there and hedge like yeah prepare to double on a drive you can't because it wasn't even his threes that killed them it was his penetration that yep. killed them. and yeah and with that playmaking yeah and so that's going to be the real tough part here is uh keeping him out of the pain and keeping him him um you know away from them but let me look at his his recent form because i feel like he is he's been playing well but i don't think he's been shooting it from three as well let me see. Yeah, his last three games have gone one of eight, one of eight, and one of eight from three. Mm. So either he's due or he's broke. You tell me which one. I don't know which one it is. Yeah. All I know is against North Texas, he went six of 15 from three and 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Can't put him on the line 11 times. He had six assists in that game. One turnover. I mean, he was in total control. Here's what I'm concerned about. Go Outside ahead. of the fact that you don't have Tyreedy, you don't have Abu is we saw what a guard that takes over a game does twice so far in the postseason. We saw Jelly Walker the first time, and we saw Chucky Hepburn last night. Yeah. If Jelly gets hot, this team I don't think is going to have the bodies to match that energy of a Jelly Walker going 4-4 from three and scoring 25 points. I, I don't think I don't think that's possible. Now, if Tyler can match that, cool. But I think that's not i think that's less likely to happen than 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 jelly going on it's kind of like what we've talked about all year it's like this team thrives on just locking teams down yeah well what are you going to do when you play fau and uab two teams that most likely are going to score 65 points Mm -hmm. like you can try your best defensively but like they're just really really good teams that are going to score 65 points can you match them? Can you score 66 in that game? You know, it's it's like the conference tournament was the final score was what 72, 70, something like that. Yeah, it was something high. I don't have it in front of me. But like it felt like you North Texas was chasing the entire game. And they were, yep. right? They were playing from behind. UAB kept scoring and scoring and scoring, and North Texas was trying to keep pace and they couldn't. North Texas defense obviously has to be good. I'm not saying that they're just you know, should give up, but like at the end of the day, North Texas is gonna have to score the ball. Mm-hmm. We'll see if they can do it. I mean, I think we're all scared right now, right? We're all around the fireplace telling scary stories of Jordan Walker and what he did last time. Yeah. But these are two teams just playing really, really good basketball, and I can't wait to watch it. I'm yeah. scared. I, I will I'm scared too. I'm very excited for this game. I will say though. With Ruben Jones having more of a role in the offense, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be huge for this game because UAB hasn't seen that. Also, you get Sissoko in there instead of Abu. Very true, but do we have to remember Abu, I don't think, only played 12 minutes against? Or was that a NIT game that that happened in? That might have been an NIT game that that happened That might have been Alcorn. Was that Alcorn? That's what That was Alcorn. Yeah, you're right. It was Alcorn. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, we haven't seen that. But then again, we also throw Jaden Martinez at the five. and UAB's- Oh, no, no, you're right. Well, you're kind of right. Abu played 19 minutes. Sissoko played 21 minutes in the in their meeting last time. Gotcha. Okay. So, so um, I mean, Abu fouled out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Sorry>. Gotcha. <laughs> At the end of the day, 
you need to do everything you've done up to this point and make sure that you're there to score and be efficient because yeah. you can't start. I don't think you can start the way you started against Wisconsin last nope. night. Against or UAB. against UAB last time. Well, that's Remember what I that? mean. Well, UAB last time. Well, it's because UAB knows North Texas. Wisconsin doesn't didn't know that they were not going to score for nine minutes. <laughs> like Wisconsin doesn't go in with that mentality. UAB yeah. knows North Texas. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm excited for this game a lot, a lot, a lot. Because a lot. whoever wins this game, you're also in that history of two of North Texas possibly getting the triple crown. Conference or, USA. Sorry, Conference USA is what I meant. Well, the Conference USA might get it anyways, regardless of the winner here. But I know Conference USA might get it, but I'm saying North Texas would be in that. that oh, yeah. In that group. That group. I just, honestly, I just want the banner. Me too. Oh, and you know how like big that would out. be too for the program? Not yeah, only just... do you move to a new conference that could possibly be better than the Conference USA's basketball conference this year. Mm-hmm. Like, think about that. Next year's AAC conference could be better than this Conference USA basketball conference. And then you get the NIT. You elevate the program from the outside looking. Yeah. 100%. I mean, the AAC next year, people don't want me to talk about it. They want me to talk about Conference USA this year, but... It doesn't matter. I mean... Conference USA doesn't matter. I almost put my tweet yesterday, AAC, everyone else, because... But I didn't want anyone to get mad at me. FAU, North Texas, UAB, Charlotte. Let's remember that. And then obviously you have Rice and UTSA. You just are there, whatever. But then you got Memphis, Tulane... Temple, who's in Philadelphia, USF, go down the list of teams that should be pretty good. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, uh, Wichita State, too. Wichita State, SMU was really good a few years ago. SMU should get back to being good. Yeah. It's going to be a deep basketball conference. Very, 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 very good. Um, All right. That's it. That's all we got. I will be in Dallas tomorrow. So we'll be, I'll be there in person to watch the game. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll be able to watch it. Uh, we hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, well, th- this episode will end after the read. Uh, we're going to have Reed Smith on here uh, in a bit. So enjoy the interview. Uh, you can follow us on all the socials, Green Room UNT on Twitter. Thank you for everybody who's following us over there. Um, but yeah, check us out on all that stuff. And uh, here's our interview with Reed Smith. And now joining us is Reed Smith of Ming Green 24-7. Reed, how are you doing today? Oh, man. Well, it's been quite the week of uh, softball and basketball, but we're here. Man, y'all, y'all should have seen Reed when he joined the, when he joined the, the stream yard. <laughs> he was chugging water, fixing his hair. I was very yeah. worried about him for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I had to get right before the podcast. Come on. Hey, you know, you can ask Colin. That's what I look like in 2020. Honestly, during That's COVID, true. robotic Bruni's what his nickname was. He was just a robot. I was yeah. going crazy, just yeah. And now I just look disheveled, no matter what. So I mean, that's your. I don't know what's happening in your background, Colin. Is why there's the window just has all the sheets. Oh, you want to know why? You want to know why? Because Maya, yes, this is a great Colin story. Sorry, Reed. Oh, all right, make it Maya, quick, really no, quick. Man, Maya, really... yesterday, Maya, yesterday, we, my mom tests things out for Amazon, so she had bones sent to her for dogs. Maya gets them. Everything's great. I'm sleeping good. Go to sleep early for once in my life. 4 a.m. rolls around. Maya growls at me. Take her outside. Come back in. Hour later, take her outside. Come back in. Hour later, take her outside. Come back in. Hour after that, take her back outside. Come back in. Diarrhea all over her butt. Okay. All right. (laughs) 
And that happened four times. Thank you. So I had to clean my I had to clean my bedding. You know All what? Right. Thank you. Your man has to do it. There. She's good now though. Look at her. That's great. All right. It was worth the punchline. There you go. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Reed, I promise we're going to talk for North Texas football here. Um, on the ret- now that we're under the Republic of Texas umbrella, we always got to have football. We're gonna get we're gonna have a bunch of guests on over the coming weeks. It's gonna be great. Um, spring football has started for North Texas. Um, obviously, there's a whole period in which you know whether it's before the spring game or leading up to the spring game, uh, you'll be able to see the team a little bit, get to talk to them, and all that stuff. Um, we wanted to have you on just to kind of talk big picture and stuff, just to get someone who covers the team and get your opinion on some of the things that we've been talking about throughout the past couple weeks and stuff as we look ahead. Um, and so I think we can start. I think an in, a good place to start is like when you look at this team, is there a specific position that you're most interested to hear about or see over the spring and over the offseason as a whole? I think it's such a, a basic answer, but quarterback is definitely where uh, I, I feel like a lot of people will be looking here in spring, especially myself. I mean, obviously with the addition of Chandler Rogers, you want to see if that accuracy will transcend from, or rather come transfer from yeah. ULM to North Texas, see how he fits the system, see if Gunnell has made any strides toward anything because, you know, it, going into spring camp, there is no, set person that no no set starter at quarterback you know you would think that Chandler Rogers would have the upper hand being the guy that Morris brought in but you never know so I think there's a little bit of intrigue to see you know who's going to be running with ones is it going to be Rogers or is it going to be Gunnell was it weird to you that they still have so many quarterbacks on this roster with Gunnell Ruder Head Earl Mm -hmm. and then obviously Rogers you know it, it was a little bit. I was surprised to see everyone stay pretty much yeah. other than Lonnie, of course. But um, I think that all of those guys are still hungry. They all still want to see, have a chance. You know, when you get a coaching turnaround, I, I feel like a lot of those guys will probably see that as another chance. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few leave after spring. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I was telling Con is there's that second portal yeah. window after yeah. spring that we'll see. But, but I will say it was really surprising that – because Bruni and I talked about this – is that right after Morris got named coach, there wasn't really a lot of transfers at all. It was, no. it was So was that kind of surprising for you where most everyone's coming back out, outside of Varkey's Gums, obviously, and, and a couple other guys? Yeah, Deshaun Gaddy and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts. <laughs> I mean, from, but from an overall perspective, <laughs> you're not overall, having an, an exodus exactly. of people. I mean, I, I think I, I put in one of my stories right after Morris was hired is like the three things Eric Morris will have to prepare for. One of the things I said was a, max ex, a mass exodus. I thought that with bringing in Capone, who will run a 3-3-5, mm-hmm. having a different style of offense, I thought that that would open the floodgates, especially, you know, I was surprised most to not see any running backs enter the portal. I, I thought a few couple of running backs were going to enter the portal, not looking like any are at the moment but like i said it, we'll see how the spring goes obviously spring started and varkey's transferred so you know yeah. anything can happen when it comes to running back because it's, it's an interesting position group and it might be like like dave campbell's put out a mm-hmm. list of their top running backs in the state and it had iowa die iowa die on it and i was like 
okay, but like I think Oscar Attaway is a better back, and I think yeah. Akaika Ragsdale is a better back. But it's a room where you have those three three names right there, and then you have Isaiah Johnson and BK Jackson and Quilan Farrar. Um, like you said, I mean, how important was it to get Patrick Cobbs back with I think with that whole transition? I think it was integral. I mean, I it Morris's opening press conference. He said he. I thought it was kind of corny, but he said, I like trapped Cobbs in his office and made him not leave until he said he'd stay. But like, yeah, I think that he was being dramatic, but it's true. It's like he had to keep Cobbs at the university in order to, to kind of retain that, that influence in the running backs room. And, you know, when I look at just the system that Morris is going to be running for looking at his lawsuit system and his, system from a uiw i think if you ask me which running back in that room fits it the most it's probably a kaika ragsdale he was their best receiving back last year and you know that's a big facet of the morris offense yeah i could also open the door for like colon farrar and stuff like that <clears throat> um interesting gadget players um let, let's let's keep moving here because uh, you were on Sonoy's show and you talked about the varkey's gums um yeah. transfer we talked about it a little bit if you had to summarize it, um, is it concerning to you or what do you think the impact is for, for North Texas moving into this year? I mean, obviously losing one of your top offensive targets is always concerning for a team. Um, you know, with when Jake Roberts transferred, I think that in my head, at least, I the possibility that Barkeys would go as well was there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you see the guy that you shared – starting tight end with transfer to Baylor P5 at the end of the day, these guys are trying to set themselves up for the best opportunity to play at the next level, you know, and for if you as Varkey's gums saw a guy that had less production of you than you go to Baylor where he's going to more than likely start for them after Ben Sims exited, you know, I think that that probably, influence that decision a little bit just you know okay now you you know you probably if you enter the portal can go to a power five school to a big 12 program so you know concerning yes surprising wasn't particularly surprising for me at least i'm trying to i'm trying to think about um matt capone you kind of mentioned him like three three five uh what do you know about him or at least maybe this defensive staff, I guess that Eric Morris is bringing in uh, this year? Well, so I I haven't gotten the chance to talk to Capone yet, which I'm really interested in speaking to him. I haven't seen the defense yet in spring yet either, Um, but I think I'll have more to say about that. Once we get there, I think the, 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 the position change that I was really curious about, well, not curious about well interested in was, Mason Richards going back to defensive line, his natural position. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are the type of guys that in a three, three, five system you need just the big athletic guys that can, you know, rush effective more effectively than, you know, a, the guy that you sacrifice and yeah. going from a four, two, five to a three, three, five. I thought that was interesting to say the least that, you know, when the pony was announced, I think, myself obviously brett and a couple other guys were going okay mason's probably going to go back to defensive line because he's the one that would fit that system the best yeah so, that makes sense yeah 
is there any defensive player that you are really interested to see over this offseason? Philip Hill is who I'm very interested in seeing. I mean, obviously he they've they've seen the upside for at UNLV in 21. He had a three interceptions, I believe 44 tackles, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, safety has been a there it's just a position of concern for UNT the last few years. It's, they've been undersized, slow, you know, Philip Hill's a bigger guy, you know, on paper looks to be a guy that can match the system and you know, be an effective safety. But, you know, until you see that on field, you don't know. But I was intrigued by that transfer. And, you know, he hasn't played in a season. So, yeah, that's 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 good. Reed. That's a good one, because we weren't we (laughs) weren't uh, when we previewed DBs. I mean, we went through the names, but we weren't sure how what to expect from guys like Philip Hill and so on and Mm -hmm. so forth. So it's like the safety position for us was one where we talked about all the returners that this team has. But safety was like, uh, you know, if even if they wanted to start, you know, Gaddy at safety, he's gone in theory. Keelan Crosby, you know, the uh, bunch of guys. I was like, Harold West is the one guy I know here that has been for there for a few years, and so on and so forth. So, Philip Hill, that's a good name. That's yeah, a good name. I'm gonna have to look into that. I'll keep an eye on him. <laughs> yeah, let, let I, I have a question. Um, so Bruni and I when we went over, he just mentioned we went over the whole defense we didn't really have a guy that it was like he jumps off of the paper. Obviously, Ridge Tejada, he has some has some big plays. But last year, it was kind of Katie Davis. But everything this year, coming into this year, is like everyone's going to be really solid. But who do you think is going to be that guy that's going to take that Katie Davis role or take the 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 spotlight, if you will? I think potentially Larry Nixon. We saw him take massive strides last season. Do I think he has the, the talent and star power of Katie Davis? I do not. But, mm-hmm. you know, Obviously, he would be the top candidate to move to KD's position as that middle linebacker role. So outside linebackers in the 3-3-5, you know, it's more than likely probably going to be uh, Leota mm-hmm. in one of those positions and and Smart on the – or not Smart, the, you know, Dave. I can't – I'm blanking right now. It's all right. You got to drink some more water. You didn't – you didn't <laughs> yeah. start chugging that water. Yep, there you go. Just just start going. There you go. Taking a little sip here. I don't have the spring roster yet, like paper. Right. Paper. But it, just to my point, I think Larry Nixon will be that guy that will more than likely jump out. Not not, not as much as KD did, but, you know, it, it's going to be a difficult defensive season just with the eye test. And mm-hmm. if you ask me, like – who on the team that I think would stand out the most, then then Larry Nixon, more than likely, will be the longest tenured guy on the I team. I mean, yeah, this is what, his fifth year? Yeah. yeah this, know, he's a fifth year, what, junior or senior now? Yeah. I, guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, all I know is he was there mind. when I was there. He was there <laughs> yeah. when I was there. That's all I know. That's my new metric for when somebody's old. If they there were there go. when I were there, you're yep. too old. I don't know how many players that applies to because Kevin Wood's a senior now. Colin, yep. remember when Kevin Wood was a yeah. – Incoming Larry Nixon was there when I was there too. So Jetson. that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, I guess we won't, won't keep you too much longer. Gotcha. Um, I had a question, mm-hmm. and I couldn't remember how I was going to phrase it, but I think in in short, uh, what what has what was your favorite moment of last year? Well, or not even favorite moment. What was a moment that that you that you remember from last year? It could be good or bad. Um. Uh, I think, for example, it's a great question. Oh hell, I mean, there's a lot of memories I would have. Um, <laughs> the Rice loss mm. in 2019. Yeah, 
where Mason Fine comes out crying and stuff. Mm-hmm. Latrell is also on the verge of tears. Yep. Um, what else, Colin? 2020. There's so many of them. No, there's just too many. Um, but that that was my first question. If you don't have one, then we can I, I can move on. I got a positive and a negative one. So I, I, for the positive one, I'll go with uh, the last year's Rice game. I, yeah. I thought that was a a cool moment to be a part of. Obviously, it meant a lot to clinch a spot in the CUSA championship for the mm-hmm. team. You know, uh, I really enjoyed the the press conference after the game because, you know, throughout the season, it was like, you know, it was a Morgan there for a lot of those games. So, you know, to get all the guys pretty enthusiastic, get some cool quotes out of that, I, I think that was solid. And then, you know, the worst memory probably was the October UTSA game, which in my opinion was worse than the championship because – there was an ounce of hope in there because they should have yeah they could have won the damn game mm-hmm. <laughs> so i remember i was sitting next to suno for that one and he the whole time you know he's pretty good at, at staying uh unbiased there in the press areas but he was looking at me oh man oh. <laughs> yeah no no that i think i that would probably be the most like outstanding memory i have the one that stands out to me because yeah. I, I hate that open air press box at the Alamo Dome. I do not like hearing the fans while reporting. It just adds okay. a like, annoying aspect. Is there any other is there any other press box you've been in that's open air? Uh no, but I've heard Western Kentucky is also very I similar. Think, yeah, it is. Yeah. LSU is also open air. I was gonna say and I'm pretty sure you loved it, don't you? Brian? LSU is still a little different though when you hear the it's, it's true. It's uh it's um no, I feel that's different. <laughs> It is a yeah. I don't know when when you get up there and it's open air and you just see a hundred thousand people in front of you. You're like, what? Where am I? And, and that's it's like just, actually open air because it's not a dome. I, I just don't yeah. think Alamo dome. It, that's... Dome dome does make it a little weird. It's like you're like sitting yeah. there with them. Yeah. And also because in the Alamo dome, yeah, you're kind of like close yeah, to the you're like right, like if you look over the glass, you're looking yeah, at there's the people. dude's head. So like exactly. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. See, this is why we have you on, Reed. Um, all right. Anything else, Colin? I think we, we kept think them 15 it minutes. Yeah, I said I said told them 12 minutes over text, and we're at 15. Yeah. So I got to be in Arlington here in an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you go ahead. Uh, glad. Uh, thank you for ha- coming on, Reed. Uh, we'll have you on again soon, man. Uh, enjoy right. the spring. Enjoy the basketball season. Hope North Texas pulls out the NIT win. But uh, mm. we'll talk to you again soon, man. All right. Always appreciate it, guys.